Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I play Tam Rivor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and got my co-host, Little Han, with me. Here. You're here? Okay. All right, uh, and we are talking about The Mandalorian. Chap- Where's Brownie? Brownie? Where's Brownie? Playing hide-and-seek. Oh, you're, your pork's playing hide-and-seek? Okay. Well, we can, we can do it on our own tonight. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 2, The Child. So, turns out they do they do have titles for these episodes now. Um, but what was the first chapter? It didn't have a title. <laughs> so, um, we'll just have to call that one Chapter 1, but this one's called The Child. Which, I know what we could call that one. What? The Battle, because they had a battle. They did have a battle. A big battle. That works for me. We can call it that. So, um... Chapter uh, 1, The Battle. Yes, Chapter 1, The Battle. Chapter 2, The Child. Um, Chapter 3, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know. We'll find out on Friday. Uh, so, let's... Uh, I wish it was Friday already. I know. That's that's the thing about... I wish Friday was every day so it could come out every day. That would be nice. Yeah, that that this is new for us. We're having to wait, you know, every week now for new Star Wars on... Uh, I mean, we we kind of do that with Resistance, but, you know, it's a cartoon. It's a little different. Um, so, tell everybody what you thought about the episode. I thought that was cool. Why did the stroller float? Why did the stroller float? Well, I mean, it's Star Wars. You know, they have floating stuff. They don't, you know, it it, it would have been a little harder if it had wheels and, you know, it was going on the on the ground, especially when they were chasing the sand crawler, you know? Because no one would be moving it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was a neat effect to have the, uh, have it moving like that and, um, so, what what else did you like? I just like that. Just like that? Okay. Well, in the first episode, I liked how that looked like Yoda. It does look like Yoda. It's it's somebody from his species, but we don't you know we don't know what his relation or anything is yet. I wish, I wish we knew. Well, that that's part of the fun of the show. We're gonna hopefully we will find out. They've only got uh, Two well no well there's six more episodes this season. So we'll find out something, I bet. Maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah, so... Um, well, you can do your part. I can do my part? Okay, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, little Han, and you go enjoy uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> I'm not watching SpongeBob. What are you watching? Um, a big movie. A big movie? Okay. All right, enjoy your movie. Because why would I be watching what? SpongeBob? I don't... You're allowed to watch Spongebob. We don't have to just watch Disney. No, I don't. Okay. All right. Enjoy your movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, thanks, little Han, for joining us for for this week. Um, all right. So, I'll get into um, uh, Chapter 2. And as we found out, these are short episodes. Uh, it was shorter than last uh, season, uh, episode. You know, I talked on the, the Chapter 1 review that I thought... That maybe what they were going for was 
Um, you know, 40-minute episodes that way if they ever aired it in the future on Freeform or some other network that, that it's just enough time to plug in the um, commercials. But with this being just over 30 minutes... Um, it looks like they're just going for a more serialized length, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, if you think about some of the early influences for George Lucas when he was making Star Wars, it was those serials that aired before other movies, and they were shorter and had a tighter plot. So that's kind of what they're going for at this point. So I'll be interested to see if that's the way it is through the end of the season. Before I get into the episode, though, um, wanted to talk a bit about the merchandising, especially the toys for the Mandalorian so far, uh, because, you know, we've already had Triple Force Friday, and we've talked about that on the show before. I was wondering, you know, given the characters they've marketed up until now, as far as t-shirts and stuff, uh, I was curious, you know, what they were doing with the figures, because on Triple Force Friday, all we got was... Uh, as far as the six-inch black series, we got the Mandalorian himself and an off-world Jawa. And it struck me as odd at the time. Was, of course, you're going to have the, the Mandalorian, and then they had the carbonized version that I got. Um, but the off-world Jawa, you know, before we found out anything about the show, it just seemed like, okay, it makes sense that they would have um, Jawas on the show, even if they've migrated to other planets. But it just seemed like it would be a totally background character type thing, which I think there was a couple of them in the first episode. So, well, if, but then you think, well, Hasbro can just, you know, reuse their mold and give the, um, the new colors and the red eyes of a character on the Mandalorian. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, what I was thinking there. And, you know, at the end of the month, we got IG-11. The Best Buy exclusive was available. I got that on the first day. And Cara Dune's on the way, but she wasn't in the first wave. Uh, They did announce um, the Vintage Collection. The 3.75-inch figures will be out next year. Uh, That just seemed kind of odd. Plus, you know, after the first episode, I thought about it. The 6-inch Mandalorian figure we got is the way he looked only in the first 10, 15 minutes of the series because he's got the old shoulder pauldron before he trades in the best car and gets a new one. So we know that his look is going to evolve. And as of right now, we just have the early version. Well, based on what we have found out after the first two episodes, I mean, it makes uh, now we know why they released the Jawas, uh, first off, because they have already played a major part. And and now it makes sense to me that they went ahead and did the earliest look for the Mandalorian because you have you know there is going to be a deluxe Mandalorian with the child as um, you know an add-on maybe in the little floating carriage. Um so yeah, I mean, we're kind of limited right now. We you can get the um, uh, the Hot Wheels has the Razor Crest and the ATSD Raider. I was able to pick both of those up at Kohl's. <clears throat> if you want to spend eighty bucks, they've got the uh, Vintage Collection ATST at Best Buy. Uh, we've already got the Lego of the ATSD. I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be a major set piece when um, we get to that. 
but yeah, uh, for all the oddities of the initial figure release, it's starting to make more sense that they could, you know, as much as everybody wants Baby Yoda, as it's being called, I call it Tiny, uh, thanks to Resistance Broadcast, uh, this is not Yoda. Um, oh, um, uh, this still watching podcast, they call it the Green uh, Sharemark Shake. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants that that plush, that figure. They, they want it on, t- on a t-shirt now. It, you know, the, the mania is already here after two episodes. I understand why they did the slow burn so that they would not give that away before the season started. But um, you got to think that's on the way. Uh, especially because as of the recording of this, the official site tweeted out a photo of the child. So it's not, uh, you know, with due respect to the other countries that have not yet received Disney Plus and are not watching The Mandalorian yet legally. Um, yeah, I mean, they went ahead and revealed it. So it's out there now. So I, I got to think that merchandising is just a matter of time. So anyway, that was just a quick toy discussion. Uh, let's move on to the episode. Uh, written again by John Favreau, the creator of the show. And directed by uh, Rick uh, Famuyiwa, who uh, will wind up directing two episodes this season. He's on board for next season. Uh, he's going to do some other projects for Lucasfilm. So someone they have a lot of faith in. And I can see why after this episode. And I do have to mention, he is the first black person to be the director of a live-action Star Wars. So um, it's a milestone for um, Star Wars representation as far as the people behind the camera. I'm glad to see that he's going to be doing other work. He'll be joined by Carl Weathers next season. And um, in the the next uh, episode is going to be directed by a woman of Asian descent. So I'll talk more about it all all season. Um, Kudos to... John Favreau and Dave Filoni for assembling a diverse crew to produce this show and to direct it. It's for, uh, that I, I will keep talking about Star Wars representation because uh, it does matter, and I'm glad to uh, glad to see the people who are deserving of the chance being given that chance. And I thought Rick gave uh, us a great episode. So unlike last episode where it was three different planets, we spend the entire time on Arvala 7, which, um, as we know, is where the child was found at the end of last episode. Um, So no sign of IG-11. We presume he's dead, but who knows? And also, it struck me as odd that the Mandalorian's walking, i.e. not writing a blurg. I figured that Kuil left it left the other one for him last episode so he would be able to go home on it um i don't know what happened to it um maybe got scared off by the firefight at the the okay corral firefight i guess you could say um so yeah he got kind of screwed on that he had to walk he's walking back and he's got a tiny in the um the floating pod the egg um which, as it turns out, um, it's got a cool effect because he's basically got it hooked up to his gauntlet with, uh, like, Bluetooth. Um, I'm stealing that from another show I listen to. Um, 
so he can control it and keep it nearby. So you can give it like a minimum, you know, maximum radius from him. Um, and, you know, like little Han mentioned, he was asking why the bassinet was flying. Um, I mean, it made for, you know, it helped push the story along um, instead of being like, oh crap, we got to go back and get him because he's stuck. Um, so I, I did dig the uh, cute little creatures that started off the episode and were kind of following the Mandalorian through the canyon. Um, kind of reminiscent of the compies in uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Um, you know, there were several parts of this that felt very dark crystal. So um, I dig that. Um, it's nice to see like the local wildlife like that. Now, so, you know, he gets attacked by the Trandoshans. And i got to give credit to um, Rick on this. When the Mandalorian stops, you can see all the creatures scatter, so you know something's coming. But then you can actually see the shadows of the Trandoshans jumping around the can- uh, the top of the canyon, if you, if you spot it. And then when the Mandalorian turns his head to listen, uh, you know, because he hears the noise, you can see the reflection of them jumping in his helmet. And that was... I don't know if how many people missed that because I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, but that was an amazing shot that they actually pulled off a visual like that. Um, you know, because with a reflective helmet like that, you know, because uh, I don't know if people know about that shot in Empire when 3PO's head is on the conveyor belt in Cloud City and you can see the pr- uh, production crew in the reflection. Well, to go from that to this, where you see his attackers as foreshadowing in the helmet. That was pretty cool. So um, I'm glad I caught that. Um, so during the fight, you know, uh, they have these vibroblade weapons. And it's kind of subtle. Uh, another thing maybe you don't catch. But yeah, but their their blades are, like, you can see the shimmer from the vibration. That was that was really neat. Got to see the Mandalorian uses Electropike uh, some more to shock them. And then we also find out that he can do this disintegrations. Um, yeah, the interesting effect where it kind of makes like just the organic part of them um, disintegrate, but the clothing is still there. Um, I, I do like that. Um, and it happened a little bit last episode too. We get the fight from Tiny's point of view, like right behind his head and with the ears. Um, we see that a little bit at the end with, um, with the mud horn later on. Um, you know, as much as the show is the Mandalorian focused, I like that we're seeing some of the stuff from Tiny's eyes. And I wonder, you know, how far they'll go with that. Now, um, you know, the plot thickens once once he's killed the Transoceans, and we see the the tracking fob just laying on the ground. I talked about it last episode. Mandalorian was sent by the client with the instructions to, you know, for the asset to be alive, proof of termination if necessary for a lower fee. IG-11 was sent to terminate. And the Trandoshans, who were they sent by? So, you know, it's becoming clear there's a lot of people after Tiny. And why, for what reason... There's a lot of questions that we, we're going to have to get answers to. And then we move on to 
it's a classic cowboy campfire scene, you know, even though it's a electric light. Um, that, that was a really cool effect. Well, um, you know, Mandalorian's trying to, you know, he's trying to heal himself, heal his wounds, working on his armor. Um, it's, it's good to see, like, you know, if you're a bounty hunter and you're out doing this, you're going to have to be kind of self-sufficient on, you know, self-care and all that. And then just, yeah, how super cute was it that, you know, Tiny's just watching him and then hops out of the, um, out of the pod and, yeah, you know, is, is he trying to force heal him? You know, I mean, the hints were there that he's got abilities. Um, you know, is it an, an ET sort of thing where he can heal by touch or is, um, yeah, I hope we, hope we, hope we find out more about that, but it's just super cute. You know, he's trying to do that. And then Mandalorian puts him back in the, in the pod, does it again, puts him back in the pod and this, and means other moments throughout this episode, you know, any dad knows what that's like where, no, 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 you, you don't get out of bed. You, you get back in there. I mean, I've done it to both my kids. Um, so <laughs> this is a very relatable piece of Star Wars. Um, you know, something we haven't seen a lot of. It's kind of funny that the one time we get like an episode, uh, an adventure with an infant. I, I know the Clone Wars, you know, and Jabba's kid um, aside, you know, like the first time we really get this in live action, yes, it's a kid, but he's 50 years old. So it's kind of a cheat, but you're still getting things that any parent can relate to. And later on, uh, skipping ahead a little, like when he's rocking the pod just to make sure he's sleeping okay, I mean, I'll admit it, I have checked to make sure my kid's still breathing. You know, it, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a natural instinct for a parent to be doing these things. And, um, I mean, Pedro Pascal just looks so natural doing it in the show. I thought that was a really cool touch. Um, and as we found out, that's a puppet. And, I mean, you know, the first episode, I thought, oh, okay, the CG. I'm starting to lose track, honestly, in the Disney era of how many times I have been watching behind the scenes or just reading something. And I said to myself or out loud, that was a practical effect because we're just so conditioned to, Oh, the, the, the great CG there, you know, the, the awesome computer work. No, I mean, like when we found out that not all the BB-8 shots, you know, that there was an actual remote controlled Rolly. And then like, um, on Last Jedi, when Luke used the Force to blow apart the hut, that was a practical effect on set. I mean, it just, it just keeps going on and on. And then, you know, like, think about all the model work they actually did in the prequels, and everybody just assumed it was all CG. But, no, I mean, they have been talking lately, especially after they had the, uh, the official premiere of the first three episodes. That is a puppet that is controlled by two people on set. Um, and um, oh shoot, I'm okay. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to do the story justice, so please listen to the Still Watching podcast where they're reviewing episode two. It's Anthony Bresnikan and 
oh, I can't remember the other host name. Um, first name is jo- uh, Joanna. They tell a Werner Herzog story about the puppet. So you got to listen to it. I'll, I'll give them the credit for it. Um, so yeah, just a cute campfire scene. And then we find out that the jaw was on this planet have brought their sand crawler and <laughs> stripped down the razor crest. And, yeah. I didn't see that coming. Um, that was, yeah, that was something we get to see more disintegrations. Um, and then we get to the first time we really get to see a sand crawler in action. Yeah. We've seen it rolling in a new hope and, um, uh, there's a couple of shots in attack of the clones, but yeah, this is some, some major action. And for, I don't know. I mean, I talked about it on Twitter and I actually mentioned it to the folks at resistance broadcast and it was on their review show. The entire sequence with the sand crawler. I'm convinced that John Favreau took that directly out of the Super Star Wars Nintendo game. And I, I, I talked about that game on the first episode of the show that I ever did. Because it was something, uh, Super Star Wars, Super Empire, Super Jedi. I loved playing those games on the Super Nintendo back in the early 90s, back when that's about all we had besides the Zon books and stuff. While we were waiting for new movies, hopefully. Super Star Wars was so much fun. And one of the early levels was you're on Tatooine and you're Luke. And you have to cha- you have to run after a sand crawler and climb up it in order to get inside. And it was always a hard level because you have to jump from like little ledge to little ledge and the Jawas are throwing crap at you and uh, there's like little flamethrower things off the side. This scene was so similar. And uh, I've got to think he's played that game and he used this as an influence and it was just totally awesome. Loved every second of it. Um, he, you know, a lot of people have compared it to the tank scene in Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Like when he's using his um, uh, grappling wire to go up the side, he's going kind of walking up it like Batman on the old 60s show. Just an incredible scene all around. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and it was cool. We, we got to see um, what the, like the cockpit of a sand crawler looks like for the first time. And, and it is neat that, yes, the basic design's there, but you can see modifications so that you know it's not like, it's not obviously the sand crawler from A New Hope. You know, this is different. And the. Uh, the, I guess you could say the Jawas are more aggressive than like Tatooine Jawas. So just all around, love love the scene. Um, you know, much like the many times I got defeated on the level, Mandalorian is, isn't successful. They get away with all the stuff, so he goes back to the the Razor Crest. And I love the cockpit scene when he's checking to see if the engines still work, which they're not. But he looks to the left, tries that one. The camera pans, looks to the right. That engine doesn't work. I, I loved that they recreated that exact shot later on in the episode when it does work. So, nice nice tie in there. Um, we, we get a super cute shot of 
I guess it's the first time we see Tiny standing when he goes up the ramp and he's looking inside the ship. Um, of course, Mandalorian puts him back in the pod, takes him to, um, you know, this is when they go back to see Kawil. And, you know, he's going to... Oh, I just love the character and Nick Nolte's voice. So amazing. Um, but, you know, we get the super cute... Um, Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about a lot of cute stuff. Uh, the super cute shot of Tiny with the frog. <laughs> and, hey, spit that out. And then he eats it whole. But Yes, I'm a parent. I have told my kids to, don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> spit that out. You know, don't, don't do that. So relatable. And, um, I did like the next shot where... Um, Quill is on the blurg and he's ha hauling the the flatbed skiff with the Mandalorian on it, so that they'll be, that way they'll be able to bring all the parts back. But you know the fact it was raining, and you thought, oh, that's kind of random. But then later on, when he's fighting the Mudhorn, and it's super muddy, you know why? Because it had just rained. So I thought that that was neat tie-in. Yeah, so many things in this episode like made further uh, like scenes later on better. So just well-written, well-directed, I thought. So when, you know, Quill tells the Mandalorian to put his weapon down, and he makes an interesting statement. You know, weapons, I'm a Mandalorian, weapons are part of my religion. I mean, we, we've seen that with Mandalorians on the various shows and everything, but the, the fact he... It's interesting he would say his religion and not his culture. So I hope that's explored at some point. You know, what what exactly are they worshipping? Um, rather than just being like, you know, this is part of our culture where we, we fight and we defend. Oh, one thing I did want to point out, kudos to the production team uh, when the Mandalorian was walking to Quills, there's a shot of him walking with a pod next to him that we got in the trailer, but they had CG'd out the pod so that they wouldn't give that part away. So, yeah, hey, good on them for not spoiling anything, by, but still showing us a beautiful shot. Didn't want to forget that. So, um, this is, I mean, one of the first times we get to you know, like, like conversational Java language beyond just, you know, a few sound bites here and there. And the fact that we get subtitles for Java and other people speaking Java. I mean, it's really cool immersion into their culture that we've not seen before. So, you know, I, didn't ex I did not expect that. Like I say, I thought we were, when I found out there was a figure for it, I thought it was just Jawas in the background, and it's an easy sell for a figure, which I didn't expect to pay full price for. I thought, well, I'll just get it on sale or wait till it goes to five below and pick it up there. But no, I mean, they made the Jawas a centerpiece uh, for an episode, and I, I've already bought a off-world Jawa for full price. Actually, it went on sale at Target, so I'm going to get the price difference, so that worked out. And then, you know, they... They want to trade. They want the best car, which would make sense because it's valuable. 
they're even interested in tiny, but Mandalorian's not having anything of it. I love the use of the, the flamethrower. <laughs> He's ruthless. <laughs> but then, you know, they say, okay, well, fine, we want the egg. Which, um, which when they're, they're talking about the egg, the egg, my first thought was the pod that Tiny's in that, you know, on the first episode, it looked like an egg. You know, do they want it for the technology and, you know, what, what's going on with that? So, you no, know, as we find out, it's a real egg. But, yeah, I thought maybe that's what they were talking about at first. So, a nice, nice little swerve. <laughs> and it was it was pretty funny that, you know, this, even the subtitles are still saying the egg as they're in the sand crawler traveling to the cave. Almost reminded me of the creatures in Galaxy Quest when they were yelling Gregnak. And then they translated it to rock, and they were cheering on the rock monster against. Um... What was? Oh shoot! What was his real name? It was Captain Taggart, but oh, um, yeah, uh, Jason. Uh, so, yeah, they they kind of reminded me of the um, the miners, not the miners, the miners. Galaxy Quest is a great movie. Please, if you've never seen it, watch Galaxy Quest. So yes, the jaw was in this episode reminding me a bit of those creatures. And then we get, um, you know, Mandalorian has to go into the cave to retrieve the egg. You know, cave scenes always give us interesting results in Star Wars from Empire and Last Jedi. and So that, that was cool. Um, Rebels, you know. Find out a lot about yourself in caves. So a nice continuation of that. But it was cool to, to find out he has a headlamp that, um, you know, so added to the spookiness of the scene where he like shot, uh, focuses on the bones and then finds the eye. Very reminiscent of that shot in Solo. So nice to know he has that gadget on his, um, on his armory. Uh, the fight with the Mudhorn was... Pretty cool. I mean, we got a tease of that in the, the trailer. But, you know, he uses weapons, uses flamethrower. Even when he um, used the, uh, like, attaches his grappling hook, it's almost like he's trying to lasso the horse like he's at the rodeo. So more more cowboy influence right there. Um, of course, this is the scene where we find out that, yes, Tiny can use the force. And he holds back the, the mud horn long enough for Mandalorian to kill it. And of course it tires him out and he sleeps the rest of the episode. Just an incredible scene where we find this out. And the Mandalorian, you know, he's where he's making his where he's making his final stand with the with the knife. You know, was he preparing to stab it? Was he ready to accept defeat? Who knows? But Tiny was there to help him. You know, and and we still wonder. You know, does the man is the Mandalorian really truly starting to care for him, or is he just trying to protect his asset? You know, and you know, to protect his investment. Um, you know, I mean, yes, he was acting very fatherly, like when he was telling the Jawas to get away from him, and you know, keeping him out of harm's way in, in the fight with the Mudhorn. It'll be interesting to see what what happens when push comes to shove as far as handing him over to the client or whoever. 
But he retrieves the egg and brings it back to the Jawas. And, tur and turns out it's just a big Cadbury egg. They whack the top off and eat it. Um, yeah, it, it was going to be interesting to see what the, you know, the, their purpose was for it. But they just wanted some food. It must be really good delicacy. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was just a cool adventure with the Jawas. And, you know, then we get the repair montage. Um, and it was cool, you know, where they kind of did that. Lacey Giller on Resistance Broadcast called it a half fade, um, where they, sounds like the boys are having fun in the next room, um, where they're still showing the montage of the repairs, but they kind of half fade in on uh, Tiny still sleeping. Um, and then as this was going on, little Han said, was Yoda on fire? And I said, no, no, they're just showing what he's doing while they're working, you know, so that was, that was kind of funny. Um, but I thought, yeah, the montage was really cool. And then we get, like I say, the, you know, the engine check that was reminiscent of the scene before. So, you know, is this our closure with uh, Kuil? You know, he, you know, he re refused to accept payment and all that. Just wanted peace. And he got that. You know, he, he helped the Mandalorian out a lot. Um, hopefully we'll see more of him because he was, he was a great character and more Nick Nolte. And then, um, you know, once the Mandalorian's on his way, he's still checking the pod like a dad. And then finally, Tiny wakes up just in time to, to be in space and on the way. But I better wrap this episode up because it sounds like the boys are getting restless. Um, but it's just a great episode. I cannot wait till next week. Um, hope you all have been enjoying it. Uh, obviously, people are going crazy over Tiny. Um so we'll see what happens with everything. We've only got a few more days. Um, but I, and before then, I will be back with another episode review of Resistance. It is still going strong. Um, but you can find me on social media at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R, on Instagram and Twitter. All the Radio Dakar episodes are on most major podcast platforms. We're based out of Anchor, Anchor.fm, the Anchor app. You can find us on SoundCloud, uh, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash radio to car. But until next time, for Little Han, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. <laughs>